Thanks for tuning in to the podcast here at joshcolebluegrass.com. We have a very exciting episode. I guess I say that every time because they're all pretty exciting, but this is a very exciting episode. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of guests here. We're going to be featuring some Kentucky Colonels. This is going to be a live show from 1971. Uh, but first, let's start by telling you who's here. Uh, seated on my immediate right is the one and only Alfonso. Hey, Fonz. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. I'm glad you're choosing to spend your time over here every single week. Yes, I am. I am choosing. No, yeah, I, I did choose to come here today. That's right. That's yes. official. Everyone. That, no questions about that. I, I want to be here. That's right. Thank you. End statement. Uh, also joining us today is Mr. Eric Clampett. This is his first time to the show, and I uh, want to welcome Eric down to the studio with the air quotes. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, um, I thought Clampett, uh, just a little bit of background, Eric and I have played a lot of music together, um, did a, a wonderful road trip down to San Francisco, which was wonderful. I remember very fondly. Uh, we'll have to talk about that maybe another time. But uh, lots of music. But in particular, I thought he would be great because he has a love and affinity and expertise knowledge for uh, Clarence White, who is the guitar player for the Kentucky Colonels, and then by extension, the Kentucky Colonels themselves. I thought Eric would be a wonderful choice to join us down here. So I'm glad he made it down. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, to listening to this uh, this live bootleg recording from 1971. Yeah, this is an interesting one. This is uh, recorded at Clarence White's house. Uh, we were talking a little bit about it. It's kind of a reunion. Um, and actually, uh, Eric Clampett here came with a little bit more information. I guess, what, he had been so busy with the birds? That's right. Yeah, right around 1965, uh, the Kentucky Colonels, as a traditional bluegrass band, kind of ceased to exist. They... They started moving in different direction, directions. Specifically, Clarence White really started moving into uh, an electric realm, and he was really big into Bakersfield music. So awesome. around 65 and 66, he started playing electric guitar with a band called Nashville West. Soon after that, he developed the B-Bender Telecaster in 67. And uh, six, by, by 67 to uh, all the way into the uh, very end of 72, he was a full-time member of the Birds with uh, Roger McGuinn. Um, and so he had put his bluegrass uh, roots down. Uh, in 1971, he, uh, they were working on getting together to do a reunion show. So this was a rehearsal. This was just simply a recorded rehearsal at Clarence's house. This was the first time that the Kentucky Colonels had gotten together in five years. So this recording is really just a... Uh, dusting off, revisiting of familiar tunes that they already knew. And that's uh, that's noteworthy for the show, because uh, everything we've brought up uh, in previous podcasts have actually been 
performances, live shows where the, the artists are, are, are on stage. This is a little more relaxed. This is a live recording, but it's, it's not a performance. It's just at home. Um, and also worth mentioning, we, there's some discrepancy uh, on the notes from this show. Now, I get a lot of my recordings, as we've said in other uh, episodes, from Uncle Chippy. Bless his heart. Thank you, Uncle Chippy, if you're listening. Chipster. Chipster, you're wonderful. <laughs> um, but uh, he, gets, he gets these recordings, and he gets the notes from whoever posted it. So uh, if there's sometimes, you know, he just passes on what he's got. And what we've discovered is there's a couple discrepancies, A, in uh, who is playing, but then also in a couple song titles. So it's worth throwing that out there. But before we go on too much farther with uh, this <laughs> lovely, lovely chatting, let's have some music. We're going to start out here. This first track, uh, they kind of just about a minute and a half of them tuning, talking, which is kind of fun to hear. And then they just jump right into shucking the corn. Here it is. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Man, you guys are some Jedis.
So that was Shuck in the Corn, followed by On and On, and finished with the Bill Monroe song, All the Good Times Are Past and Gone. I heard everybody's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a, uh, that's one that a lot of people have covered, of course. It's a classic. And uh, a lot of these songs are, actually. As we were talking about, a lot of these songs are real traditional numbers. Um, it seems like they're maybe playing it safe. Playing it definitely safe. They're going. They're starting with their core, uh, their core set, and they were anchored on a lot of Bill Monroe tunes, um, and yeah. you know it allowed for the right uh, breaks to happen. You know, they it gave uh, Roland White an opportunity to really show his Bill Monroe style, yeah. which he was really uh, close to. Yeah. So was there not a lot of songwriting going on back then? Was there, or everybody just wanted to make sure the show was good, so they picked up some favorites and then had some of their own stuff? Yeah, there? that's a good question. The bluegrass tradition uh, is really rich in uh, sharing uh, um, common material. I think that that was something that was familiar and um, uh, reminiscent of traditional uh, country music uh, that was kind of kind of started in the 20s and 30s uh, yeah. they would share songs and share songwriting um, and that's cool I wonder yeah. too if it's uh, that's way cool I think one of the things about bluegrass music in general since we're just gonna you know philosophize a little bit on the music and theory here <laughs> I like yeah. that uh, it has a high ratio of people that listen to it that also play it which maybe some other genres don't necessarily like I, I, I really like flamenco huh. guitar but I don't play flamenco guitar right. a lot of people like I like Kiss. I don't like Kiss, but if I did like Kiss, you like I, Kiss. I don't like Kiss. But if I did like Kiss, I don't play that kind of music. Like abu- I'm abusing the sound effects over here, folks. Um, but that anyways, was, that was real. I honestly think that the sharing of songs too, though, maybe, maybe as an audience member, like, oh, I know this song. Yeah, oh, I love you. this song. It's, it's familiar. Traditional folk. It's a traditional folk uh, aspect of music in that it's shared. It's something that is enjoyed and shared. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's open for interpretation and yeah. for absorption so i've also heard a saying in, in regards to performance that there's two kinds of songs that people there's songs people know and the songs they don't like <laughs> and so you know if you keep that in oh mind they're uh, they're doing good they're keeping with some of the tried and true material yeah although i don't know nowadays it seems like they make songs for you you get stuck in your head that Aren't very good. Oh, that's the problem, right? <laughs> the the jingle, the, yeah. the catch, the Costanza, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or like rap songs, uh, uh, auto rap songs for those theme are, music yeah, for are, a podcast, for example. Oh, <laughs> hey, that stuff's good, dude. That stuff's good. Donate. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's good stuff. Uh, anyway, moving along, uh, we're gonna get to some more music. Gonna start with one, another one that was done a lot. But a classic, this is uh, Love, Please Come Home. Yeah, another another Bill Monroe tune. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that was this, this also was a staple of the uh, Kentucky Colonel set. They were doing this as early as 63, 62, 63, so. Yeah. Well, this says uh, Love, Please Come Home and Wicked Path of Sin. So is it like a, is that like a GPS thing? Take, <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> take, take the Wicked Path of Sin. And it'll, it'll bring yeah. you home. Yeah, that's how it starts, right? It starts <laughs> off that way. It always does. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, that was Love Please Come Home, Wicked Path of Sin, That Home Above, Gold Rush, and Panhandle Country. And uh, just a couple notes that Love Please Come Home and Wicked Path of Sin, those were a couple standard uh, Kentucky Colonel tunes that they'd been doing for years and years. And That Home Above, well, that was a Bill Monroe tune, and that's really similar to Beautiful Life that was written by, uh, written by William Golden. And uh, it, it just kind of shows that Bill Monroe had a real affection for taking traditional tunes and putting his own personal twist on them and giving yeah. them a life of his own, yeah. and that was really great. It's, it's like, also worth throwing out there, kudos to Clampett for, uh, we sat here on that little break and, and deduced what song that was. Because that was, we had mentioned earlier, some of these tracks come in with like, you know, question marks, yeah. wrong titles, no titles. This was one that had no title on the listing and we were through a very, very Sherlock Holmes-esque <laughs> style investigation, we were able to find out the name of that track. Yeah. So, yeah. Kudos well, to Clampett. It was, it was the uh, little looking glass thing that made it Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> and the we fact got some that <laughs> Fonz was wearing a monocle. I, I, the yeah, day. exactly. And, and I had a hat and a, and a pipe. <laughs> there was no hat. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, folks. Thank you. You set them up, I knock them out. Oh, that was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to, uh, I think we're going to move forward with some music. It seems like we're looking through this set, and one by one, we're realizing, gosh, they do a lot of Bill Monroe songs. Heavy Bill Monroe material Bill right Monroe. here. But again, you know, just to reiterate, this is sort of a, uh, this is the first time that they had gotten together in over five years so they probably wanted to just get safe material under their belt and yeah. just kind of gel as a band and what better uh material to, or uh song selection to choose from than bill monroe now wait was it you say bill monroe took like um some riff from somebody else and put his own tunes to it he would do that a lot he would uh not only bill monroe yeah not only bill monroe. the tradition uh, the bluegrass tradition and the country tradition is that you would uh, you'd often find your own personal twist on an established song, and uh, you would be given the liberty to call it your own. Yeah, I wow, mean, that, Hank cool. Williams did it. Uh, Carter Stanley did it a bunch. Uh, it, it was pretty commonplace. Um, it's, it's actually pretty brilliant. Right. Well, I think <laughs> they're right. still doing it with like you know Puff Daddy did it in the nineties. There you yep. go. See exactly. I, well, I read. I read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, what night? 1890s? What 1890s. Good, there yeah. you go. You know, the good old 1890s. History channel. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're going to move forward. Uh, what do we got coming up next here? I think we said we ended with Panhandle Country on that last one. So this next one is going to start off a little Dark Hollow. I'd rather be some <laughs> Dark Hollow. Why don't we skip it? We'll just sing the rest of the set for the people. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What, Sounds what, good. I'm in, dude. Pitch pipe. Where's, where's our pitch pipe? <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? They didn't like it. Bye. 
right, that was Journey's End. Before that was Rolling My Sweet Baby's Arms and started that set out with Dark Hollow. Uh, this is, of course, the Kentucky Colonels uh, live in 1971 in Clarence's house. So they're not performing. They're just, they're just dusting stuff off, practicing. And we were talking, we're focusing a lot on Clarence White and talking a lot about him. He obviously, uh, historically speaking, has a, a high profile uh, in this group in particular. But it's interesting that he doesn't have a lot of solos on this recording. Uh, he took one in that panhandle country in that last set. But there aren't a lot of uh, rip and breaks, but uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the other stuff he's doing that's a little more subtle. Some of the rhythm stuff right. that he's doing. Yeah, he was he was really into odd meter. He he always felt like boring time or straight time is boring. So uh, he would he would look for opportunities to kind of go against the uh, against the meter with his lead with his lead line, and he had such a he had such a strong hand in his uh, picking hand that he was able to really uh, interject. A lot of rhythmic qualities at a, in a really short amount of time, just sticking things out there. That's it's a little funny. subtle. It's not something that necessarily stands out as like, yeah. you know, it's not like your, uh, for another reference, it's not your Joe Satriani. It's yeah. not like, oh, that is like yeah. blazing. But there's there's some stuff that happens there that is uh, kind of intangible, but really important. Yeah. And also paved the way for a lot of guitar players moving forward. Yeah, that's right. And uh, another f interesting fact about Clarence White, not only did he have a, a unique electric guitar, his acoustic guitar was unique in that it was uh, a standard D uh, Martin D28 body, but he had the sound hole enlarged, which allowed the uh, which allowed his um, his volume to be that much louder. Yeah. And so I, I'm not yeah. exactly sure. He might have been playing the D18 on this, just right. a standard right. uh, Martin. But uh, if you go back to his early recordings in 64, 63 and 64, uh, you'll get a sense of that uh, louder tone that yeah. he was able to project. That was a real Frankenstein guitar, which to this date Literally. I believe Tony right. Rice is playing. That's right. Um, wow. It had not only the, the enlarged sound hole, but it had a, a Gretsch neck Gretsch on neck, it. Gretsch neck, yeah. Um, and so it, had, it was just kind of just, just that. It was a Frankenstein instrument but yeah. pretty signature both the clarence guitars are owned by uh, two really unique um musicians marty stewart's got clarence white's b-bender i didn't know that and he's been playing that uh he got it back in the like the 80s maybe maybe wow. even earlier on i'd need to check on that but uh tony rice of course has clarence's uh his um fabled martin yeah. guitar. and martin and it, i put in air quotes yeah yeah um and, and tony rice wears hand was handcuff to the you know from on his hand onto the the case when he carries around it's a lot like when I've seen Fonz have attached to his phone have his <laughs> oh, handcuff no. attached to his phone. There's a lot of important numbers in there. <laughs> the wife, the wife makes you hang on to that, right? All right, it's my wife tracking me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, this is some good knowledge. That's real like Jedi stuff. Uh, comic book store owner Simpsons. Um, no, this is really good stuff, guy. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is extremely geeky, but that's why we're here, right? To, uh, right. to bring Geek you the... Uh, no, it's great. For posterity's sake, these recordings, a little bit of knowledge that we have, and uh, we're happy to bring it bringing it to you, and we're glad Fonz is here to bounce stuff off of. And uh, Yeah, it's it's. I've been learning a lot, man. It makes the music cooler. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and Clampet's cool, too. And Clampet's hey. cool, too. <laughs> hey! Hey! <laughs> well, I think uh, this last set is just a few songs. It's... Surprise, surprise, more Bill Monroe. Right. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a couple instrumentals and go out on a singing number here. Going to start off with Dusty Miller. Dusty Miller. <laughs> Thank you. 
string thing. Oh, they were doing that before. So that was Dusty Miller, followed by Bluegrass Breakdown, and we ended this segment with uh, In the Pines. 
So uh, this set was so long, we're gonna do a second part, kind of like the Brady Bunch when they went to Hawaii. You know, that story was so good, they needed an extra half hour. Exactly, exactly. So, this came to me in two discs, and the second disc is a partial disc, so uh, just sort of in the name of keeping the program to a uh, respectable hour here, yep. give or take, um, give or take the respectable part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're going to do our second episode, and we're going to actually have Clampett come back and join us again for another round. Yeah. Um, we'll do that in a couple weeks, so you can keep your eye out for that. This is just part one, um, and we're going to have more information about maybe about the guitars, a little more yeah. history on Clarence White and some of the lineage on that stuff. Um, right. Yeah, Clampett's got a lot of good info on, on some cool things that these guys did, because he's a little bit of a fan. A little bit of a fan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, specifically speaking, Clarence White's two key guitars, uh, two key instruments, Sort of fell into uh, really uh, famous hands. Uh, the acoustic guitar uh, came to Tony Rice in the uh, late 70s. Yeah. Uh, Tony Rice was a student of Clarence uh, back in the mid-60s, uh, back when the Rice brothers were sort of a band. And uh, Tony Rice had the privilege of passing through uh, some of Clarence's sessions and studies and stuff like that. Yeah. The the B-Bender fell into uh, Marty Stewart's hands, uh, and uh, it is with him. Both instruments are actually still being played today. Yeah, And we'll cool. have more information on that on uh, the yeah. next session. Yeah. So I've been, I've, been, I've been wanting to ask this all day. I've been a little nervous because I know Clampett's a huge fan, and I swear this is not a shot at anything. Uh, am i am i the only guy who thinks the kentucky colonel sounds like a really cool tag team wrestling team (laughs) i I just it just sounds good some similar to the bushwhackers i don't know i may be dating myself but i just can't i just picture like this tag team wrestling team really just shredding it up on these cool instruments maybe villains i think that if they came out you know they it would probably look pretty Pretty rough. I love it. I love it. That's and just to answer your question, yes, you're the only one. <laughs> just go back there to that. But now I won't be able to think of anything else. So right. <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna part ways here. I want to thank uh, Eric Clampett for coming down. Well, thank you, Josh. Thank you very much for coming over, and I want to thank Fonz for coming over as always. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me over. I learned a lot. Yeah. This has been a good episode. This has been real informative. Uh, I'm glad we were able to. Uh, to uh, get through, get some of this information. I mean, we've been deducing stuff on the fly here. It's been wonderful. And thanks for listening to the podcast here at uh, joshcobluegrass.com and get out and support some live bluegrass. <laughs>